Hey, this is Nathan Ray, and uh, this is my friend, Sean. Hey, Hello, Sean. I'm Sean. Sean, you don't want to go into your last name, just in case? Yeah, sure, why not? Everyone's okay. name Sean. If only my voice wasn't so distinct. Anyways. There might be people out there in the world who sound like you, who also Thank might be named Hopefully. Sean. Hopefully. We, we can only hope. We can only hope. So how do we know each other? Where did we first meet? <sighs> I was all back in the summer of 1999 when I met Nathan Ray was a, was a bit of a Chad lad. I remember this one time we were both playing beach volleyball and when his, when he missed his spike, he hit it onto me and then he said, Hey, and then it's to me and some other guy looked at him. We were both wondering who he's referring to, but lucky me, I was the lucky one he was referring to. He came over and gave me his backhand. And from that fade forward, it was friendship forever. I remember it quite differently. <laughs> it was last year, last <laughs> November. We were both working at the water park. You were a new employee. Sounds I'd good. been there for like six months. And apparently uh, that was long enough for me to be a veteran. It was. You knew everything about everything. Like I'd just be walking in here and everyone would just be saying, I don't know, everyone would just know what to do. I'm just barely scraping along and thinking, okay, okay, now what, now what, now what, now what? And then, and then they come in with the most ridiculous things to do. And everyone's like looking at me and I'm just barely scraping along. I thought I'm just lucky enough that there's people nearby me that I can just hide behind and watch. And you just pray to God, you know, you're not supposed to do something first. You're not, you're not the ones that can take you, take the lead. As much as you want to be a born leader, you can't, you have no clue what to do. Cause orientation was awful. It was garbage. It taught me nothing to do. It taught me just remember the, the training handbook about s- safety rules and then when I, that's just when things go wrong or how to make it safe, what do I do then? How do I get to the area where I have to worry about things being safe? Scary stuff. Didn't you learn first aid? Of course. But it lo- I learned it long before I even went to the water park. So that information was pretty much useless for you? Yes. So based on our interactions, uh, our first interactions at the water park, what would you say was your impression of me? Hmm... I was wondering which sort of intelligence you boasted. I was wondering, is it philosophy? Is it maybe, maybe Nathan Ray is more of a, an abstract concept kid. Maybe he's a mathematician. Maybe he's a technological lad. I was wondering what sort of intelligence you boasted. I still don't know today, but there's probably an intelligence you really, with your, with your really big head, there's probably an intelligence you boast behind the scenes, but you just disguise it for some odd reason. I don't know, maybe you just boast multiple intelligences. What's your most likely speculation? Hmm. What the fine now? Like seven types of theorized intelligences, and I've no clue what you have. Maybe, maybe you don't have social smarts because you you threw away your job, and now we don't get to be friends anymore. How could We're still you? friends. We're this talking. Possible behind TV screens. You did this to us. You did this. Well, you can always invite me over to your house if you want. You could just not have ruined your job there, and then everything would be so much better. Oh. God, now I now I do now when I come back after COVID, what am I gonna do? I'm having no one to freaking follow or figure out what to do. And everyone else is just gonna be looking at me like, what does that guy do? Does he even work here? I'm just gonna be the guy in disguise in a blue shirt, and no one's gonna know what's going on. What happened to the idolization of the lifeguards and the supervisors like Ryan? Like, didn't you look up to those coworkers? I don't know. Ryan's kind of needlessly mean maybe he cared a bunch i don't know like i didn't see any it's like not the strict but fair it was he's the kind of guy in the movie where you just think he's just awful he's out to get you doesn't like you one bit and he just he just focuses on himself or someone else that's more worthy of his time but then in the end he just comes to save you maybe sacrifice his life and never and then you just so heartfelt moment and realize he had a heart of gold the entire time it's just the big plot twist, like how the most lovable character in the entire show, the one character that's just a heart of the one character that's just a blossom. They're just so nice. They're just their comic relief. They're put source of comfort. They're source of everything that you need in this forlorn, torn world. And then they're just they're going to die. They're the only character that you that, that deserved better. They were too good for this world and they're going to die. They're the character that was going to die. But now well, yeah, well, you did die. <laughs> God, I called it out. This is just this is a story and this author is he's predictable yeah yes definitely. although to be fair i don't think any of us was really predicting that i'd get fired from the water park yeah only you knew that was gonna happen because you did it full throttle very very 
God, if only, if this is a story, then your poetic justice is pretty good. If I might go into my impression of you, my first impression of you, I thought you looked a little bit like Eddie Redmayne. I have no clue who that is, but everyone always says this. Normally, I look like three years younger than I am. Fair enough. You also reminded me a lot of the kids I used to tutor. Dang. So back in 2018 to 2019, I uh, worked for a tutoring agency where I'd be sent out to rich kids' houses in order to tutor them in math or science or English, and I'd get paid like $20 a session. Dang. Yeah. Not to sound too harsh, but you sounded like someone who was very well-prepared for running a business, but had no preparation for figuring out your own life. You're kind of in the ballpark there. Like normally, normally, I don't know if anyone else gets this, but everyone always comes back to me and they just say, Sean, you know, the first time I met you, and it's usually something along the lines of, you were weird, you were very different, maybe like the sort of autistic intelligence, or it's like just rant, talk, think, ambition, and just a lack of social understanding. And then eventually, just eventually, everyone comes around. They're like, "Yeah, okay." The first impressions usually are not very good on Sean, but that's fine by me because I've taken the I've taken it up to be the most unique man on the planet, at my own detriment. It's 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 both a blessing and a curse. So yes, this is you're not special for saying that. You're not special at all. Neither are you. No, I'm totally special. I'm the most unique man on the planet. Even more unique than me. Yes. How do you know? Because you're a tutor. You know how many teachers we got in the world? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And you're a student? Maybe. How many students do we have in the world? Clearly not enough because we don't have a very educated workforce. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. God, now I'm just thinking about all the chat lads at the water park. Oh, there's some really cool lifeguards that were just that were just so much fun to talk to because it's just there's they're they're on they're on another level than you, and they're also important and they have so much power. They don't need to be associating themselves with a ridiculous fifteen year old. And they're just there, just chilling, being chad lads. And all the chad lads there were very nice, but there were so many people there. Oh well. Are you still working at the water park? I guess, but I'm gonna take as much time off as need be because I don't need the money. I'm just there for the certifications and time there for the resume. Are you still pursuing the certifications? Uh, yeah, but not currently because COVID means I'm not working there currently. Okay. So, yeah, I'll definitely get all the certifications. That sounds great. If I might transition a little bit, how else would you say that things have been going on in your life? How has God been working in your life lately? You know, oftentimes I have a saying that God quite literally said no to me when I attempted to do this because I'm so ambitious. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to change things around for my Make, change my own reality, my own destination, my own fate. And then God quite literally says no, because the ridiculous amount of things go wrong that could go wrong. And I'm always going above and beyond. I always got to plan for these things. I'm always just like, all right, now this, 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 this. Okay, this person helped me out. I'll make sure this is pre-placed in advance. And it feels like nothing can go wrong, but it just... In just the stupidest things go wrong and it happens all too often i always say and then i always say god quite literally said no because it's just ridiculous because at that point when god says no, i'm like okay looks i'll have to take even more precautions so god can't get involved he just man- magically procures it he just does it he's probably got a plan i hope the plan is beneficial to me but it probably isn't because i'm probably getting in the way and changing things for my own selfishness there have thought about asking god what his plan is I have no clue what his plan is. Okay. You can always ask him, you know? I hope. How am I going (laughs) to? I can pray to him, but when does he pray to me? God, there's so many. Oh, I remember just just going over the Bible. Like, just, I was researching for so much, just looking at all this, everything biblical. And forgive me for what I'm about to say, but gosh, Dang, why is the Bible somewhat unbelievable? Why? There's so many things unexplained. Why did God, was he so active and talked to everyone in the past and all of a sudden he just disappeared off the face of the earth? Why did so many things occur in the past? But there's also a lot of, what's the word? Not hypocrisies. Contradictions. Contradictions in the Bible. It's too much. It's awful. And also, I'm not sure if premarital sex is actually properly stated in the Bible to be a sin. Because almost every time, the Ten Commandments, they always, always, always use the word adultery. They'll be like, thine who has committed adultery in thine heart. 
has already committed adultery in thine self. An adulterer by definition is just having sex outside of your marriage. And I'm not married. And I can't find any point in time where they explicitly refer to premarital sex. It's always adultery. And it's displeasing to me. And then I can't feel like, I feel like I can't go ask any priests or whatnot, because why do they rewrite the Bible? Why do they make a new Testament? Because back in the early days, they told you stories in the Bible to make you fear God. God was a fearsome man. It was also patriarchal with the story of Adam and Eve. And you compare it to another story, like, I forgot which indigenous culture I read it, but it was like the story of, was it Lynn? I don't know. But it was with this woman and she's super nice and she's super fun, super fun. And for some reason she gets transported in this magical world where she's creating the earth and the earth slowly comes up. And it's like, for example, she just travels, she literally travels through space and then she just plops down on the planet. Now she's the planet's just nothing but water. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, I can't swim. So a bunch of her animal friends, she just made them all of a sudden because there's so much fun in the animal. And that nice story, I think about those stories that all the, all the characters are super fun and funny and cool. Like the otter is really, as the otter is really like, he's not having any of it. And there's like this other, there's other bunch of other animals and they all have their own fun personalities and it's kind of fun instead of making you fear god and then they do stuff like they go to the bottom of the water and they get mud they make land and they make trees and it's uh, it, i mean of course it doesn't make any sense how they come about doing this because it's like but it's all it's also nice and fun and then they did just people also made women very very respectable and their story about the creation of earth came along and then all this stuff changes around like okay so what about when leviticus said that oh all, anyone who's gay is an abomination and they must be stoned they say they have to be high is that what he said? No. Maybe he said they have to be throwing rocks at them. Maybe if religion wasn't so up for interpretation. Maybe, maybe, maybe if we just focused on something and kept faithful to those sort of things, we'd have all this interpretation that we changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Things would make more, and more sense. Like, gosh dang, if I wasn't such a human, you're a human. You're supposed to be the smart lad. You're supposed to be the logical, rational one that looks at stuff. That would be something that you can't just disprove through science. You have so many, there's so many things. So many things in the Bible. I got to go freaking search this stuff up because I remember just thinking to myself, I got to figure out this sort of faithful stance I stand on. And just nothing makes sense. It almost directly feels as though just a bunch of priests just took something and interpreted it. It doesn't even mean that God explicitly said it. And eventually they just changed it around to stuff in the New Testament where it's just like, God is all loving. God is all good. God is omnipotent. All that good stuff. You mind if I address all of those things? Do whatever you want. I'm and you haven't really know. even gone into specific detail how God has screwed up your plans. I told you. I warned you about this. Okay. I have a couple of answers. So first of all, what you're talking about uh, in regards to God speaking all the time. First of all, if you look at the Bible and if you look at the chronology of its timeline, God doesn't actually speak as frequently as possible to as many people as possible. Like he's definitely present in the Exodus narrative. His presence is very clearly felt and many people at least see him in the form of a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. For a vast majority of the Old Testament and even some of the New Testament, God's only really speaking to the prophets or he's speaking to one of the patriarchs like Abraham or Jacob. Sometimes he sends an angel to go and speak to some random person like Gideon or Samson's mother and father. But for the most part, not a whole lot of people actually hear from God. And the people who do hear from God, they only hear him like decades apart, unless they're a prophet. In that case, they're hearing from him a little more regularly. If, for example, we haven't spoken to each other officially since, I would say, January, that sounds on the ballpark. Yeah. And I still consider you a friend. But the thing is, though, like, if we were to gather together, if we were to tell the story of our interactions with each other, and if somewhere in there, in that story, there was this break in the narrative where it says, and six months later, Sean and Nathan spoke with each other again. That's not something that you as a reader are going to have to sit through, but it is something that we as characters have to sit through. And so within the narrative of the Bible, there are times where just years, even decades pass before something miraculous happens or God speaks to many people. And that's kind of just part of the narrative. And so the second point that I'd want to address that you mentioned very briefly, when it's talking about someone getting stoned, it's not about whether or not they're getting high, 
I can't believe there's a, actually an argument in the world that people can't be gay. That's crazy how there's actually an argument against gayness. Because I guess as an ooh-ah instinctual standpoint, the fact that they're going to be confused about which sexuality they need to go to or which gender to reproduce. Because the whole point of life is two things. One, either reproduce so their species doesn't die out till you find greater meaning, either that or just happiness. We do Everything is done for pleasure-seeking. Dopamine just makes us to eat food, makes us to have sex, makes us so we don't continue doing this stuff so we can have we cannot just have sex all day long. And then just the fact being that gay people will never ever be able to properly reproduce fertilely without the help of... I don't know, the human intuition, science, that they're always going to be confused and never ever reproduce, put their superior genes into the next generation of epic homo sapiens. They're infertile at that point because they're not going to be able to reproduce properly on a ooh-ah level. Yeah, I would say that within the biblical perspective, there are a couple of reasons why homosexuality would be condemned. Uh, First of all, it wasn't part of God's design. It's talked about how God's intention for humanity was for man and woman to come together and to reproduce in that way and to be in relationship with each other in that way. The second point that I'd want to address is that within especially the laws that are uh, described in the Torah, God just comes across as a neat freak. He's really uh, against the idea of mixing together things that shouldn't be together and for keeping things clean. And it's like, I think for a lot of people, I know that some people I've spoken to, even some people who are for homosexual relationships, whenever you talk to them about their thoughts on anal sex, it just doesn't really uh, go anywhere nice. And so you have the idea of heterosexual marriage. That was God's intention for humanity. And the idea that homosexuality in some ways violates the uh, sense of sanctity or cleanliness or holiness in that kind of relationship. Those would be the two main arguments that I would be bringing forward for why Christians would see homosexuality as wrong, even if those feelings are on an instinctual level. Like, there's so many things to take away from this. Like, what about the typical saying that, like, if God had wanted you to live, he would not have created me. When he just to justify your means to kill someone where it's like, oh, yeah, God created everything. If you look at this, God created this. That, the fact being that this exists is because God created it. And it's like, so did God create these human beings with gayness? Or is this, you quite literally saying that this is something on more of the devil's side, or this is just evil in their hearts or something like that. Or, or maybe it's like one of God's many trials, or maybe it's like, this is temptation and they, they just have to, to work extra hard to not f- just fall prey to this. Or maybe something like that. It's just, so we've obviously in political terms have already determined that gayness is okay. Unless, um, but then it's crazy how there's a Bible and that's the argument against being gay is if there ever should be, or maybe there shouldn't be. I don't know. It's odd. It's just so odd. And is God responsible for creating this? Is God responsible for people being homosexual? Or is that just, because it's like, God is good, right? And Satan is bad. It's not the fact being that your God is evil and God is like, oh, the fact that there is pain cancer this in the world god that your god is evil and likes to see you b- crash and burn so he can have his master plan the idea is that um there's no such thing as darkness there's no such thing as cold darkness is the absence of light black is the absence of color or white light heat is just cold is just the absence of heat and likewise darkness and evil in the world is the absence of god so how does that all play into homosexuality I would reference a passage in the book of Romans, chapter 9, starting off from verse 19. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles? As he says in the book of Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. I will call her 
my loved one who is not my loved one. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved. For God will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty had left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom and we become like Gomorrah. And so from that passage, there's the idea that God, he's preparing people who are going to be in favor with him and going to be righteous towards him. And he's also preparing people who are not going to be that way at all. And you look at that kind of scenario and you might think to yourself, that's just a little unfair that we're just set that way. But I would say that it's not too different than what an author would do uh, in writing a book where they might say, okay, these characters are good. These characters are bad. I don't know what your expectations would be in reading a book, but I want the good guys to win and I want the bad guys to be punished. And it's not their choice, but at the same time, in spite of their lack of agency, we still have that inner desire to have righteousness be rewarded and sin be punished. And I think that God knows the future. I genuinely believe that. And I believe in predestination. But I also believe that it doesn't matter as long as we don't know what the future holds. And so as far as we're aware, we still have the choice to pursue God and to ask him where he's going to be taking us, where he would like to take us in life. And I think the end result is going to be determined based on how much you're willing to listen to God and how much you're willing to obey what he wants you to do. Oh, God, every time we bring up a sentence or just we just go back and forth, I just get a multitude of new things to say. And it's just, that's just me. I'm going to be a nightmare when I get a therapist because it's just going to be rant after rant after rant. And I, the only way I'm able to sleep at night is if I make sure to tell you that I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to be just stay up late just knowing that there were so many things I wanted to discuss with you, so many myriads of this sort of topic that we missed some important things because summaries don't work for me. There's so many pieces to the entire conversation. I'm very displeased that I'm not getting all of them. Oh, God. So then that, that makes me question about, so there, there is free will. So we can have, we can determine from good and evil. So yeah. does that mean that when God, is, you say that God is preparing people of the sort, people who are born with homosexuality, seemingly maybe you're referring to that. Would God be like bestowing them with homosexuality to, as like a trial sorts? So he could give them the option of being able to prepare like this. If they were to take his teachings and go about with what the hand of cards they've been dealt with, they could go on the path of righteousness to the kingdom of God. So at that point, are we saying that homosexuality is wrong? I think that homosexual action is wrong, where like you're just looking at another person of the same sex as you and thinking to yourself, I want to go ahead and screw with them and then just going ahead and following through with that thought. The thing is though, like I could think to myself, I hate Sean. I really want to go to his house. I want to break into his house. I want to murder him. I want to murder his family. And all of that would be wrong. All of that, you would be right to call me out as saying, Nathan, you're sick in your head. But until I actually go out and break into your house and try and kill you and your family, I haven't actually done anything wrong. Of course. And I would say that the same thing would probably be true of homosexuals of like, if they're just thinking to themselves, and they're dealing with the struggle inside their mind, it's not a pleasant place to be. But at the same time, it's not the same as actually going out and screwing someone of the same sex. Gosh, dang. All right. So earlier, we were talking about God being he's coming in out of decades. There's two things I wanted to talk about. The first one was one when I was doing studying religion back in high school that really stuck out to me that concerned me. So everyone always has these denominations of stuff like, oh, yeah, how the kingdom, how heaven works and what to do and how to make it in your heart. There was one priest I studied, I believe I'm going to say the name and it's going to be it's obviously wrong. I was about to say Father Matheus, but I think that's out of a video game. 
but he's some the whole gist of him is he was a young guy probably like in his 20s and then he traveled down to hawaii where the indigenous natives were suffering from uh I, maybe it was leprosy no i think that's a really old disease i don't know there was something from some sort of disease or illness and because he's born in elsewhere because he's he's got white he's born up immunity so he's helping them out and he's doing stuff like he's helping build build buildings with them he's praying for them he's blessing them and he's helping them out he's he's taking his priesthood and he's He's doing great things in the world to help them out. He's sacrificing his entire life. He's dedicated his life to these people and the natives really love him. They're really happy that he's there and he, everyone's beloved. He's very helpful and he, everyone, uh, he's a very nice man. So he's taken his entire life and he's dedicated to doing stuff there. And he's probably there for maybe, I don't know, 20 odd years, something like that. His whole entire life, he's probably gets to 40 or something or really old. He looks like an, he, he changes from a young guy to a really old man and he eventually gets ill. Maybe the illness he was there with helping, uh, just helping the natives. Who knows if it's, it makes you question all these things like, oh yeah, how does God fit in with plagues? Or is this one? Is this God's wrath? Is this God just forsaking us, and not talking to us anymore? It, that's just so many things you can dig into there. That's hard. That just all humans think about and never gets an answer from. But point being is that uh, he made a quote before he died because of the illness he had, or he said on something along the lines of, "We all have to do something amazing to earn our place in the kingdom of heaven." And that made me think. How do prophets and priests play into this? So I was thinking, okay, at first I thought they were just messengers of God. But does that mean that with sort of a hierarchy of like some of like the Vatican, where there's the Pope, there's bishops, there's priests. Does that mean there's like a hierarchy where people get different denominations getting into heaven? Maybe someone who dedicated themselves to God or did more holy things or did more things like, for example, I, my family hasn't gone to church since I was quite young. I probably stopped going when I was like 13. And then does that mean that because someone like maybe like you go to church more often, maybe you do things like just do more holy things, things that God would ask you to practice. Like maybe you just do not work on Sunday, something like that. For the little sins that I commit and the sins that you do not commit and also the things that you go above and beyond were the good things that you would do. How does that play into your role when you go into heaven or purgatory or hell? He said you have to work hard to make your place in heaven or do something amazing, what does that mean? He did something amazing in his life and sacrificed his life to help out the natives. And how does that play for him versus me in heaven? So the way that I'd address that kind of question, there's this parable of these vineyard workers that Jesus talks about in the Gospels, where you have the owner of a vineyard who keeps going out into the town marketplace uh, for a single day in order to bring in workers. And so... Early in the morning, he goes out, he finds workers, he brings them to work at the vineyard. In the afternoon, he does the same thing, and he keeps on doing it until the evening. And at the end of the day, once all of the vineyard workers have finished their jobs, they come over to get their pay for the day, and the owner decides to pay them all the exact same wage. Ah. And as a capitalist, you know that's a terrible idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's unfair. Like the people who worked harder, who worked longer hours, they should be getting more wages. But that's not how it works in this story. And that's not how it works in heaven. The idea is that no matter where you get in with believing in God and submitting your life to Christ in life, it doesn't really matter what you've done before, because at the end of the day, you're still going to get the same reward. In the story of Jesus on the cross, there are these two criminals who are being crucified along with him, and they're both cursing him and making fun of him until one of the criminals says, look, I know that I'm not a good person. I deserve this punishment. You've done nothing wrong. And so for whoever you are, for whatever you are, when you die and go to heaven, please just remember me. And Jesus says to that criminal, that's not going to happen because you're going to be with me by my side in paradise. Dang. Yeah. And so there are also other stories in the Bible. And, and this one is also got a bit of a monetary angle to it. There's this parable that Jesus talks about where you have a king who goes off and goes on a journey and he entrusts these three servants with some money while he's away. And once he returns, he brings the servants along and he asks them what they did with the money. Two of the servants used the money that they were given and stewarded well. They doubled their investments. And one other servant, he decided to take the money that he was given and he buried it in a field. 
which is the worst possible thing you could be doing with that. <laughs> and in response, that servant was punished. And so there's also this angle of like, it doesn't necessarily matter what you do beforehand, but once you're in, if you're not really stewarding the gifts that God has given you, if you're not really stewarding his calling in your life, if you're just deciding to laze around and do nothing and just put in the bare minimum effort or even like less than bare minimum because like burning treasure in a field it's it's going to do nothing <laughs> then you're kind of screwing yourself over dang i guess this means i gotta do something amazing that's step two step one is going to god and submitting to him and finding out his will for your life and the third point that i wanted to mention before talking about how God has been working my life lately, <laughs> this could be like the entire podcast episode and we'd be done with it. The third point that I'd want to get into is that when you're talking about how God is someone to be feared in the Old Testament and someone who is to be loved in the New Testament, that's not always the case. Like God is someone who is meant to be both feared and loved at the same time in both halves of the Bible. So, for example, in the Old Testament, it talks many times about how God loves the nation of Israel and he wants to be in a relationship with them. And there's nothing more that he wants than to provide for them. But at the same time, he can't always have that level of intimacy with them because they keep on sinning and they keep on antagonizing him. And of course, Within the New Testament, there's a lot of discussion about love, but there's also a lot of discussion about God's wrath. Hell is extensively discussed within the New Testament. The book of Revelation is one long exercise in God's judgment during the apocalypse. And so I would say that it's not like God is one person in one testament and he becomes another person in another testament it's that he is the same all throughout. And there's that weird mixture of incredible love, but at the same time, incredible disgust for sin and the people who commit that kind of sin. Gosh, dang. There's so much to dig into here. Like sin overall. What would I want to talk about now? Or you say something, you do something before I do something ridiculous. Okay, I'm going to talk about how God has been working my life lately. Yay. Yay. So lately, I've been reading a book called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. And it posits that most people treat life like it's a game to be won. But the author posits that if life is a game, then the object of the game is to keep playing the game. Huh. So the object of the game of life isn't to be the best businessman in the entire world. It's not to be the best teacher in the entire world. It's not to be the best parent or the best lifeguard or the best anything. It's to keep the vision going for as long as possible. Huh. And it's something that it's given me a lot to think about because I'm someone who does not think in the long term, to be honest. Like you, every time I have a plan... God comes in, takes a hammer, and smashes that plan to pieces. Oh, why do you keep doing that? I work so hard on my plans. Yes, exactly. And so I think the mindset that I've developed in that as a result of those experiences has been, I just need to think one year ahead, not 10 years ahead. Because every time I think 10 years ahead, eh, something happens within a year to just screw everything up. But in reading this book, I kind of just realized I need to think bigger. I need to think of how my actions are affecting eternity. And yeah, it's screwed me over in a way, but it's it's a good kind of screwing over because now it just makes me realize that I need to think bigger and I need to think in a way that's more future-proof. Jeez. G-flipping whiz. Ugh. Where the heck do I begin? Uh, I guess... Okay, drawback time. Back to me referring to how God has the sort of gaps in talking with us. 
uh, being a just being a, a simple simple-minded human there's so many things we wonder about because of course we're made in god's image but we're not really comparable to god when you have the, all these moral dilemmas like here I'll, I'll run you through a brain exercise because the way psychology works is if i try to say something that'll change or at least directly affect your preconceived notions or beliefs you're more likely to reject it than endorse it because the way your brain interprets it your pain gland is right beside the gland it takes in information and therefore it releases a bunch of chemicals that are and it hurts you so i need to do this in a special way where i'm gonna run you through a brain exercise so you come to the conclusion and i'm just sitting here just telling a story all right so you're in heaven you're by god's side hand and god's like hey 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 nathan before i let you go to your personal heaven or whatever the heck heaven is lord knows what's going on in there maybe i get my personal heaven maybe so wait so wait actually oh wait where you came to that conclusion anyways then nathan's like okay god god's like okay nathan one moment here now i need you to make one really big decision for me okay so now there's this doctor right there's like 50 60 year old doctor okay okay and now there's this baby over here. I need you to help me out, man. There's just, you got to kill one of them, all right? You got to kill one of them. Who are you going to kill? There's so many ways to go about this. You're going to say an answer, and then I'm going to change up the story. Then you're going to say another answer, then I'm going to change up the story. That's how this goes. This has been talked about a million times, but maybe that you haven't. So maybe it'll be a lot of fun if you haven't heard this before. Anyways, so begin. What do you do? I would ask God, why do you want me to kill these people? uh-huh uh-huh and then god's gonna be like uh i don't know something something mystical something that you never something an answer that's just so vague that you never really get an answer it's something along the lines of well what do you think it means or something like that or is, is god a bunch of other those answers that aren't really answers of themselves but point being is he's god his his thing isn't you are not to question god you're only supposed to you're supposed to do what he says so there's a few ways to go about this there's a few somewhat it's all in the moral moral morally just ways what are you going to do in this situation? Think outside the box. I would ask God, is there any way to save both of them? No, one of them has to die. And one the, of them has to die. One okay. of them will die. And it's not the fact being that you can just say, oh, let me die instead. No, one of the two is going to die. And if you do not choose who dies, both of them will die. I would ask God, what are the characters of these people like? The baby, the baby is newborn. It's undecided. It's it's a, just a it's a bundle. It's a marvel of anything. Anything is possible. But the doctor, the six year old doctor, he's lived a full life. He has his, his whole life laid out for him. He's done all these great things, or maybe he's done awful things. He's been a doctor, so he's probably done a lot of some nice things. But the fact, the, the fact is that the baby is unknown. We have no clue what it's going to do. All right, Lord knows what you're going to do. If you don't do anything, then all all of them are going to die, and you're going to die too. All and of them have, are going to die. Yes, and you, if you don't do anything. So the first thing you're supposed to say is, God, it's not my place to judge the living and the dead. That is up to you. And then there's like another, there's like another thing you're supposed to say. Well, now you're making the decision for me. I know, but I have so many things to talk about. We got to get through all these. Anyways, you're supposed to do that. And then, God, then, and then you're supposed to be like, oh, God, I'm not a place to go. They're doing the dead. And then in the, for some reason, if God tells you stuff and you have to make a decision, the way it goes about is you can't put a price on life. Say I could be like, here's an here here's a here's a here's a Nathan. He's uh, worth five bucks. Anyone want him? Something like that. No, life is supposed to be priceless, and that also goes into the abortion argument. But uh, life is supposed to be priceless. So the only way you could possibly put a price on their head is because the baby could be anything and nothing at the same time. Maybe the baby could be worse than the, than the doctor guy. The fact being is that because he's the baby is younger and has an infinite possibilities there because life. It's not like life, life cannot be worth money as much as people like to slave trade and whatnot. The idea is that they just have more years on them. So there's more potential for them to change and do many, many things. So I guess the only thing that makes life valuable is the age that they are born at currently. If I might ask, does the doctor know God? Who knows? It could be anything at that point. And the fact you are kind of, it is okay to say that if the doctor is quite literally proven to be a criminal or he's done deliberately some, some very serious sins, it's okay to kill him. But of course, you're supposed I would, to- I would him. actually say that if the doctor is a criminal and he's committed sins and he has no hope of redemption, mm -hmm. I would go for the baby. You want to explain yourself? Yeah, I want to explain myself. So- I believe that the baby, in spite of being born a sinner, the baby has no rational capability when it comes to when they commit sin. And so they are viewed as innocent in God's eyes. And so the baby is going to have a greater likelihood of entering heaven than the doctor who is a criminal and who is unrepentant. And that in turn gives the doctor more time to repent from his evil ways 
and to turn his life around and turn back to God. <sighs> what a freaking take on life. But at that point, the baby doesn't even get to experience life. The baby gets to experience life. It just happens to experience that life in the afterlife. Huh. So they get to go to the personal heaven and get stuff like a unicorn that poops burgers and diamond covered chocolates, right? What's informing your idea of heaven? I don't know. What even is heaven? Is it my, am I in the clouds? Am I in the no. stars? No. Is it in my brain? Is it just blackness where I can't even retain any memory? Okay, so let me explain the uh-huh. ways that I've experienced heaven here on earth. Mm-hmm. So when I was living in Ireland, there was this place that I would go to from time to time with my family called Drewstown. It used to be an orphanage. Now it's a retreat center. And the thing about Drewstown was that it was like this mansion located within a garden. There were woods out in the back that you could walk around in. And the mansion itself, it had many rooms. You could explore the place for hours. It was big. It was expansive. It was fun. It had a promise of adventure in it. But at the same time, it was also just a place. And you could have a lot of fun being there alone. You could have a lot of fun being there with your family or with your friends, but it wasn't necessarily all-encompassing. But it's what laid the foundation for what my expectations of what heaven would be like. I would say that another level to that foundation is something that I experienced last year when I was down in Florida attending a conference called The Send. And the people there, like, it was amazing. Like you had miracles happen all the time. You had people speaking out prophecies, people speaking in tongues and all the people there, like anyone could be your friend. There were like 60,000 people there and any one of them could be your friend. And there was just like, there was this sense of love and belonging that I have rarely felt before in my life. But in that moment, in that experience, especially when I was just hanging out in the backyard of a church, watching someone preach on a 12 inch screen with everyone else. And we're all singing with each other. It's, it's just like, this is heaven. It's this idea that we're all communing with each other, but we're also communing with God and God is in turn blessing us through being in his presence. Gee whiz. That's a lot of brain food to take in. Those are like what I imagine what heaven will be like on an emotional level and in some ways also a physical level. I can also imagine that heaven, it'll be a lot more technologically advanced than earth because all the famous scientists or anyone who would have grown up to be a famous scientist is now alive in heaven. And so they're probably working on things like flying cars and floating buildings and all sorts of other insane things maybe they have cell phones that are wired in our heads and they're not totally abusing that uh, (laughs) technology over there i know that heaven is also a place with forests and rivers and all sorts of adventures and like i haven't been there myself i know people who have but i haven't been there myself But I can imagine it because in the Bible, it talks about how there's like this new heaven and new earth, and it's basically heaven on earth. It's heaven and earth combined, and it's going to be the fulfillment of all the beautiful things that we already experience here on earth. Jeez. Gee freaking whiz. That's quite food for thought. Yeah. Huh. Well, I guess. Wow. All right. Flipping. So we already just the conclusion we came to on gayness is that it's one of the one of the many trials or temptations. Like maybe you're maybe you're just born a pedophile. Like when you get we already talked about pedophiles, didn't we? We've talked about pedophiles before. Mm -hmm. So what about transsexuals? How does that go about? Because the World Health Organization classified them as a mental. uh, It was I believe it was a disorder, or I think they said it was gender dysphoria. No, that was they call said it was gender dysphoria. They said it was something like an illness or a disorder. Where it was just the fact being that they were in it, they were born in this sex and they had this and they, they, they the body just rejected its own sexuality or something of the sort. And also the suicide rate for for that community is, is incredibly high. And uh, the Bible, of course, doesn't say anything about this because it was transsexuality wasn't a thing back in the past. No, nor was like men dressing up as women of the sort. How does uh, that 
Actually, the Bible, it forbids cross-dressing. Oh, dang. Yeah, so you already have that out of the way. I would say that when it comes to sexuality and gender identity, homosexuals will say, God made me the way that I am, and so I need to embrace that. While transgender or transsexuals will say, God made a mistake in the way that he made me. And so because of that, I need to change who I am. And that mindset is something that I see as fundamentally wrong. We've already talked before of vessels of clay and how God brings about certain people for honorable use and dishonorable use. And so regardless of whether or not you feel like you've been dealt a bad hand in life, I don't believe that God makes mistakes. And I don't believe that God would necessarily make the mistake of putting someone in the wrong body because he decided to slip up in creating their DNA. I think that within the transgender community, like for myself, their struggle is something that I relate to because as someone who's autistic, I have a mind and I have a body that can be at times quite good. You've mentioned that I'm intelligent and I'm flattered by that assessment of me. But I think we both know that I have a tendency to say and do stupid things. Gosh, dang it. And I wish that I didn't have that part of myself. I wish that I was normal and neurotypical. (laughs) And I suppose that with enough practice and with enough trickery, I could make myself appear normal to the rest of the world. But I've come to accept that this is who I am. And as much as I might want to be normal, as much as I might want to try and fit in, At the same time, I've accepted that this is the way that God has made me. And I think that for transgender people, there's the potential to accept that the body that you have is the way that God made you and that you might feel better (laughs) getting your breasts or a penis cut off, but it's not going to really change that fact. And even then, like there there are some transgender people who after they go through surgery, they're still not satisfied. That's so true. That's actually, there's a ridiculously high percentage of people that actually commit suicide because of it. Yeah. I believe the statistics said that it was on par with Jews being killed in the Holocaust, which is a ridiculously high statistic. And the thing is, like, that's because you're being sold on a lie that if you go through the surgery, then you will be satisfied. And you're kind of banking on everything to make sure that the surgery goes through and that you are satisfied with it afterwards, but if you're not, then where are you? You're kind of out like thousands of dollars going through hormone treatment and going through surgery. And even then you still haven't gotten the life that you want. Oh, Jesus. I feel bad in that regard. I do too. <sighs> All right. I've been taking the spotlight far too often. Is there anything else you would like to discuss yourself? Like, man, this conversation didn't go in the direction that I wanted at all, but that doesn't mean that... Where the heck were we even supposed to go? We were supposed to talk about you, and we were supposed to talk (laughs) about how you felt in life as a rich kid. No, I'd rather hear about you instead. Okay. Okay. Yes. Out of curiosity, like, do you feel like you have experienced satisfaction in your life? I don't know. I'm not sure on that. I wonder, almost as if I would say that my lack of satisfaction just inclines me to go above and beyond because I always did like that ambition I had. I never want to lose this sort of motivation and focus. Well, not focus because I don't have that focus, but the most sort of motivation and vigor. I want to keep going and trying new things, do many things. Like one of the most, so that's what a motivation would go in par with like being morally righteous in the eyes of god doing something like that that would be something i would find there's motivation that i would want to keep doing something like just trying out stupid things like skydiving like you, we were talking about earlier like get the high score in the game of life that yeah. sort of ordeal yes that sounds yes i gotta become the best human being alive i'm you sorry can't be the best human being you just i'm have sorry to keep... nathan that role is reserved for me you just have to keep on playing the game. That's the thing, though. Uh, that's that's practically saying that I'm going to respawn, and you're saying that a reincarnation is a thing. You're, you dirtbag. No, reincarnation isn't a thing, but the afterlife is certainly a thing. So what do you think about rapture? I think it's going to happen. Gosh, dang. Blue lights are going to come abduct us. <laughs> no. Then, then we're going to lose all our clothes, and no. then the grounds will break, and Satan will get everyone else. No. 
This is going into eschatology, which I'm not as well informed as I am for the rest of the Bible, but it's, it's something that I've been having a lot of interesting discussions about with some friends of mine. Uh-huh. And I think that we still have a long way to go before any kind of rapture happens. And once it does happen, then that sort of gives the indication to the rest of the humanity that they're all screwed. God, but they're just going to help Jesus and his army fight the devil, right? What do you mean? So after everyone gets abducted and goes to heaven, the sinners that are left on the earth, Jesus is going to lead an army of his super awesome angels, and he's going to go attack the devil who's now going to be on the earth and going to be using his demon lads to take over the earth. And he's also going to kill everyone on the earth. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is going to stop that because he's a military leader. He's a general. He's going to help us. And then, and then. No, he's going to kill everyone on the earth. No, wait. So who's going to kill everyone on earth, Lucifer or Jesus? Jesus. Why? Because everyone who's been left behind, everyone who has refused to turn to Jesus and repent. That's not fair. What about all the people that died early? What do you mean, what about all the people who died early? Sinners that just died early went straight to heaven. I mean, hell. Well, they still go to hell. So can we run from Jesus? What do you mean, run from Jesus? Can we get away? You can try. It's not going to work. It has to. I know I'm being rude referring to stuff like this, but that sounds kind of fun. Just running away from the rapture. Because every young boy always dreams about like, oh yeah, there's going to be a zombie apocalypse and me and my friends are going to bucker down in my basement with our Nerf guns and we're going to survive because we're really skilled at the apocalypse. You're going to survive with Nerf guns. Yes, that's kind of fun. That's a lot unorthodox of Jesus and his angels. How ironic. They crucified him on a cross and now he's back to take his revengeance. I guess we really were forsaken. He's back for round two, and this time we're going to be the ones crucified. Not yet. There's still time. I wish the Jews didn't kill my god. Maybe things would be a lot different. Well, oh. if the Jews didn't kill your god, then we wouldn't be here having this conversation. We could have a different conversation if that was the case. Anyways, I imagine you have important, bigger, bitter things to do now that it is in the afternoon. Yeah. Before we sign off, is there anything that you'd want to plug? Mm, I'm always tempted to plug some friends' social medias, but mm, gosh dang. Uh, one moment. What's the name of the super cool podcast app you're going to put this on? Anchor. Don't forget to check out Anchor, the super cool podcast network where you two can post your own free podcasts. No, don't recommend Anchor. I already do that in the app. I know. That's why I watched your podcast. Exactly why I'm doing it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You're trying to make a statement against ads? What do you mean? No. Okay. Oh, man. I wish I could plug some hilarious things. Do you have my round of applause? You still could. I won't. Anyways, Godspeed. Good day to you too, Sean. You can end end it now. Yep. See you guys. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, with special guest Sean Kay. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.